0: in faith without wavering, and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom, and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that it must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting, amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are watching on uh, Facebook or YouTube. We certainly welcome your presence in the house of God as we continue on in our series on dynamics of destiny relationships. This is a really important time and we're really talking about the dynamics of child parent relationship and walking that through the various stages. And so um, we are praying that you're being blessed that you're being challenged by that last week um, in my absence. Um, I did something that I would have I'm um, certainly I talked about during the part of this thing, um, a part of this series where we talked about the marriage relationship. So we had some me and my darling bride had some wee time away and um, minister, Eva Jarrett continued on in, with the series, and she did some amazing teachings on that, and uh, certainly will kind of continue to reemphasize certain pieces of that again today. And so I just want you, first of all, just to be encouraged, to be um, that the things that we're learning, um, that they're going to be a blessing to you, and that um what you know now, even if you're past this point in the relationship that you have with your own children, that God will continue to bless your future generations to continue on based on the insight so that you can believe it, pray it, coach it, minister it, do all of those things um, on the inside that's required there in this regard. Amen? All right. So Dynamics of Destiny uh, Relationships is... Our key, we gave we have four objectives for this series. Number one, to illuminate the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. And what we want you to consider particularly is that this relationship you have as a parent, it's critical that um, that you glorify God in. And number two, to elaborate on the love connection is the key to empowering relationships, the principles upon which Relationships consistent by which they are maintained and enhanced. And because this relationship changes in dynamic at every stage, um, this is a relationship that requires a lot of constant care and feeding to stay current. Because what was good at one phase could be bad at another phase, right? There's nothing wrong if you have an infant if you're cleaning them up and cleaning their room. But if they're 19- and 20-year-olds, they need to start putting some points on the board in Jesus' name. Uh, All things being equal, unless there are some other challenges that they might have physically or otherwise. Number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships. And we're going to talk today about, I want you thinking about this relationship with your child as a social relationship that, that... yeah, you, you got to make them do certain things, and there is a time of training. And we're going to talk about that, but there's also a time where um, where you have to coach um, more so than um, enforce. And there's times when you have to win their heart versus making them get stuff done. So we want to make sure we shift on that. Then finally, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. All right, so our core scriptures were Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 through chapter 6, verse 4. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular shall love his own wife as himself, and the wife let the wife see that she respects her husband. Then it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. In the Colossians, it says fathers don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so there's something in particularly all parents have to, to watch it. But fathers especially have to be mindful that we don't. Um, exasperate our children. Um, you know, there is an, another, a, a different kind of tendency sometimes in mothers, sometimes to go beyond mothering into smothering. Um, and there are di- tendencies that the scripture wants us to make sure we're mindful of. And so it begins to deal with those, and, and so we'll deal with some of those today, right? So just for a review, we gave you eight quick points from this passage of Scripture in Ephesians. Number one, we said one of the outcomes from a godly union of a husband and wife is godly children. Two, that means the husband must assume the role of a father and the wife assume the role of mother. They are, um, They are related, but they're not exactly the same um, you, what makes you a good husband can, can, if extended right, empower you as a father, but those don't necessarily have to be one and the same, right? And so some people, um, don't do good at, you know, the reproduction aspect. You know, sometimes when I go away, um, the Lord tells me things, you know, when I'm sitting on the, on a beach, looking at sand, and you know, watching the ocean, and the breeze is going over my head. So the Lord reminded me of something He told me before, and um, He said to me, "God is not into seedless grapes. Seedless grapes—that's production without reproduction. Right? Some people don't like the seed part in the grape; it gets in their way." Anybody feel me? But sometimes we we do things like that, and then we have production at one level, but haven't reproduced that in in another generation. And so, you know, he really did minister that thing to me. and Like, man, come on now. Make make sure you're clear on this thing here. So uh, make sure that you're not just considering the marriage part without the extension of the family, because that's a kingdom motive as well. Number three, because the husband is the head of the wife, he's also the head of the home and given the primary responsibility to ensure that the children are matured and not damaged. Then number four, we say God expects that that parents bring children to the point of spiritual and natural maturity so that they can continue the cycle for further kingdom expansion. So let me talk about this one for. some some things he shared with me while I was uh, out there enjoying myself in Jesus' name. He said, "Nominal Christians produce less than nominal Christians." Right, Pastor Dave, what you talking about? One of the reasons why Minister Eva ministered on it last time. She said, "Hey, there were certain things we just." didn't do because we believed God would tell my mama on us. And other kids, it was cool with them. They did it, and their parents was just as much in church. Church wasn't the issue. But because there was a difference in the reality of how God lived in the church house versus their house, their kids—it it, it did something to their growth in terms of their own spirituality. So, if you a nominal Christian, nominal, right? The denomination—it's what's the name mean? Some people are Christians in name only. You say, Lord, Lord, but do you do the things I'm saying? So, if if God is not in you for real, for real, it's hard to make him be for real, for real in your children. Okay? So, if you play in church, they don't even want to play. So, sometimes we get into situations where we try to beat out of our children stuff we couldn't get out of ourselves because we hate this thing in them because we hate it in ourselves, but we didn't get victory over it. And so what I want you to be challenged is as as a parent, you know, are there some, (laughs) Lord, Lord did a, My darling bride staged an intervention while I was away. You know, and I'm I'm on a beach. It's a good time. You know, I'm going back to the husband and wife thing. And she staged an intervention. It was a good one. It wasn't comfortable. I didn't feel good. But I don't know the interventions that the whole purpose of them was ever for you to feel good. It's not for you to feel better. It's for you to get better. And sometimes, right? God chastens you so you get better. But it don't feel better in the moment. I think Hebrews 12, if you go back and read that, you'll see that it said that. And um, she challenged me about a specific character trait. And she said to me, "Um, you know, that's where your daughter get it from. And I was like, (laughs) that mirror just went boing. (laughs) I wanted to say I'm the head of this house, but that wasn't the moment to say it. That would have been using that text out of context because she was helping. She was helping. Didn't feel good? I didn't give her any emotional support in that moment. <laughs> I didn't even say, "Amen, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't I didn't say, amen. I gave her no kind of clues." but I, I knew she was right. This is confession. I'm I'm in the pulpit, so I can, see here I just got to be, hey, hey, all right, got to be real. But you understand what I'm saying? But then I had to realize, okay, I gotta go back and win this. Because more is it's there's more riding on the line than just me. Do you understand that? David in scripture committed sexual sin and then the Bible says sexual sin is not gonna leave your house okay and sometimes like listen I got enough fights to fight on my own she got enough fights to fight on I don't want her to have to get some because I didn't finish my job to kick the devil out so that she she got to she got to finish stuff that I didn't finish right? So that means, man, I got some homework. And bro man signing up to get his homework done. I, uh, uh, no, 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 that's not what, you know, now it's real work. And I ain't, I'm not even, I wasn't like super excited when I had the intervention. Once I got my emotions in line, then I got ready to get in the fight and do what's got to be done. But I understand certain things have to be done so that we can not only win it for ourselves, but for the generations that follow us. Listen, if you're going to fake and play church, your kids are not going to even, they're going to discount God, the church, and you. And then when you try to get your act really together, they're going to tell you, listen, I knew you when you was faking and shaking and playing. They're going to call you out. And then what you gonna say? I'm your pen. See that you using that out of context. <laughs> okay. Now you you might have gotten it right now, and I'm not even saying that. And you might still have the responsibility to do it. I'm just saying there is an authority that you have when you walk it out, not not perfect, but authentic with God, where where you are not playing the game and. When you really call out and own up to your issues, I did not do this right. Don't just walk off like ain't nothing happened. Don't just walk off with, shut up, I'm, I'm, I'm your parent. No, see, you're using that out of context. You see, and so then they began to believe that nobody's right because, you know, I would listen to somebody rant on the Internet. Oh, the church is fake. Listen, listen. That ain't every church. That's just the one you went to. Don't be, pain- you know, that's a big broad brush. You know you know how when you paint, you have the, the broad brush, and then you have the ones for the narrow corners? You put you put in a big broad brush where you should have a little, the churches I have been to. That's a narrow thing. You ain't even been inside my church. How you going to make a statement like that? Okay. But see, people counterfeit stuff because when they had these traumatic experiences from people, you know, in their sanctioned authority, they think everybody like that. And I'm like, listen, I'm I mad at you, but that ain't my issue. You know, don't don't be painting everybody like that. You're wrong. I'm not even saying you didn't have your experience. I'm just saying your experience is not everybody's experience. So don't paint the whole thing. That's you, you got that big, broad brush. When you should have you got that big roller, you just roll it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And see, people do that because of how traumatic their experiences were with somebody very formative and authority. And so that's why that's why Jesus was very particular. He said, He says, watch it when you offend one of these little ones, these little children. He said, It's better if if a millstone be hung around your neck and you throw into the sea. He said their angels stand before God and, and will tell on you. Jesus said that. that. These are not my words. Jesus said you got to watch it. So, like, listen, listen, I try to be nice to y'all, but them kids, I'm just saying, Jesus is watching. Okay? Because he the one that gets <laughs> Listen, 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 listen. He the one, he, he told me, I know there's people out there, one, one, One famous musician said, there is no hell. It's a figment of your imagination. Don't die. Because you will spend eternity in a figment of my imagination. Because either Jesus was right or he isn't. But you don't believe that part, then don't believe the rest of it. Okay? So we got to be careful when we get into these situations, how we deal with these young people, man. And Lord was talking to him. Listen, he started, he started talking to me. He said, listen, and we have to, listen, while they're still young under your roof, you have to work to win them, not just make them. I said, win them. Now, this is what the Lord told me. He said, he said, number one, nominal Christians only produce less than nominal Christians. If you just play in church, they ain't gonna even wanna play. You, you'll, spend their, you'll spend your time coming to church to play, but to them, if it's just gonna be a game, they going they're gonna opt out of the game. They're gonna go to less than what you are. They're not, you, you see what I'm saying? So, so on Sunday, Bishop Thompson was in this house, right? And uh, I remember that dude, he got eight kids. He got an older set that was my age and then a younger set. I was like, dude, how in the world? (laughs) And all eight of his children are in full-time ministry. Now, you can say what you want, but they knew that brother was real at home. I'm just saying. And then one of them wrote a song, and his song was talking about his dad's bishop's prayer blanket, which was a red blanket. And he said that you gave me a storm kit when I get in trouble, my own proverbial red blanket. Because just how I saw you pray, I know that when I get in trouble, when my situations is going, I can do the same thing. Come on, that's what we want. That's what we want. We want to walk in truth, in such a reality that our kids walk in truth behind us. That's what we're looking for. And, and the, Lord, the Lord said, listen, he said, listen, now let me ask a question. How many of you, when you were kids, under your parents' authority, they made you do certain things, but inside you were saying, when I get grown, I'm gonna do my stuff different. Am I the only one? Okay, so just like you did that, your kids is planning and plotting too. (laughs) That that's not a one-way street. I mean, sometimes people act like, you know, like, you know, like that's just one way. And then you and so the Lord said to me, He said, Listen, youth leave church in their mind long before they leave it with their bodies. I said, Lord, Lord, Lord. He said they leave church in their minds while their bodies are still in the room. They, 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 they're this, already plotting, saying, when I get grown. So, because so, I'm talking to the Lord. Pastor, why God talking to you like this. Because I'm asking him how to grow my church. I'm asking him. I'm saying, Lord, I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. I'm trying to how can I be destiny generation church? And if I don't have this kind of ministry fully focusing and working and how am I going to do that? And how do I do what we need and all of these things? You gave Abraham a promise because he would train children and you said you could, you could fulfill things in his future generations by how he trained the children, the generation that was already in his house. So he said, listen, listen, Okay, then I came back with a whole different mind. Like, you know, I'm I'm trying to make sure. Uh, <laughs> I had a conversation with my daughter today. She, said, I don't like this. I said, honey, you're adulting. <laughs> you know, adulting is like when you're learning. I said, welcome to my world. We've been expecting you. I don't like not having this and how have to budget this money and have this and that. I, I, girl, child, please. <laughs> you know. And so so, sometimes I can spend all of my time trying to convince you adults to stay here. Pastors can spend all of his time making sure you happy. Don't run off. Because, you know, man, I'm trying to grow. I'm not trying to lose the ones that's here. But the Lord, and I'm like, I I really try to, you know, because I always feel like, like when I was, I don't know, something about a child's discernment. They, you know, you can fool some grown folk. But somehow the kids really know if you really for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> grown folks be in church be like, uh-huh. kids be like, child please, I knew they wouldn't there wasn't to them no time. <laughs> right? <laughs> Something about they just have a certain level of discernment. They ain't, ain't, ain't nothing to that person. So I, I, I've, I've always been careful because I want, I'm like, I remember when I was a child how I saw through people. And I wondered to myself if the kids could really say to me what they really see. Do they see enough in me to really make Jesus seem real? That concerns me. Because you know, like it or lump it, I knew that my parents were real and I knew that my pastor was real. None of them was perfect, but I knew that they really knew God. There was never a question. I never, is he just playing church? I never had that. I was grown, older, teenage, when I went to other churches, and I was like, man, they, they treat they pastor better than mine, but my pastor better than theirs. They treat their pastor better than mine, but I got a better pastor than they got, and they treat him better, and we treat our pastor worse. Something's wrong here. Okay? So we want to make sure that, uh, <laughs> listen. I I don't want God to be saying y'all, y'all kept the kids out. I'm just saying, I don't want him saying, blaming me for what's going on. Hallelujah. All right. So he wants us, we said God expects the parents to bring children to the point of spiritual natural maturity so they can continue the cycle for further kingdom expansion. Right. That's what I see. And of course, I'm living it out. Apostle brought us to the point where we could go forward and expand the kingdom. Now, Psalm 112 says, if you really fear God and delight in his commandments, your children shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Number five, while it is true that both males and females should be brought to maturity, the Bible specifically calls out the need for men to mature. Okay. And uh, we don't want to get that one wrong. All the way from Adam on men maturing and taking responsibility is a big issue six in the child state with godly parents the focus is on obedience to instruction but seven there's a point of adulthood in a child where obedience is no longer the primary directive this is even to the point of leaving leaving the parents and cleaving to a spouse the final point eight but even when this point is reached there is a lifelong expectation of honor that produces with it a life that is long and strong, right? Hallelujah. Okay. So God wants us to grow in these areas. All right. So we talked about eight perspectives of parent-child relationships. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but um, we talked about children in the eternal plan of God. How does children fit in that plan? Then we went on from there, and we talked about, children in the womb, how life begins, how God takes a spirit that exists inside of him in eternity and then deposits it inside the womb. So from heaven's perspective, your parents gave life to your body and they gave a certain heretic, um, inherited traits inside your soul. But your spirit, God, doesn't even give your parents that to do. That's his, right? Your parents are the father of your flesh, Hebrews 12, but God calls God the father of spirits, all right? So we talked about that, children in the womb. We talked about babes and sucklings, and then we've been talking about young children providing, guiding, directing, and correcting. Now, one of the things, Lord – when I was kind of preparing for this series, he reminded me of something that happened. So I just want to tell you a story. Um, In the early days of, you know, doing some training for music ministry and putting together my music school when the older set um, of some of our young men who are now in their 20s, now college grads and doing all their things when they was real, really young. Um... I would bring them up and work because they were the only, Pastor David, why did you do that? Because they was all I had. And I needed to start with what I had and give it all I got. And um, I was preparing to, uh, to, to minister to the young people. And I had kind of an epiphany moment. Really, wasn't that God, it didn't come to me, so it was more, Epiphany says you had an aha moment yourself, but it was really more of a theophany. Theophany, Theo is God. Theology, study of God, right? So I had a time where God gave me a revelation in the moment. And in that moment, I looked at one of the young people, and it was like I saw all the way inside that young person. And uh, what I saw, I had a vision of their insides. And it was was like a farm field that had been tilled and was ready for seed. But it was the richest, darkest dirt that I had ever seen. If you're a farmer, they call that pay dirt. We hit pay dirt. Ever heard that term? That means that that ground is optimally ready for seed. There was nothing else that needed to be done. And God said, take heed to how you plant, because whatever you plant will grow. Don't just throw something, something together, because sometimes when we're dealing with kids, you see, we'll do that. Pastors are bad for that because we, we. I'm not just saying me, I'm just saying as a class of people, we can focus on the adults because they're the one paying to keep the doors open in Jesus' name. Okay? And so if we're not careful, we can get so bogged down dealing with the adult issues that we are not spending the time when we have Prime time, right? do you know how like now you forget stuff, but stuff that happened to you when you was a child, like that 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 kindergarten teacher, you remember so much detail, <laughs> the rest of them, I don't know who they was or what they did, but that time you're just at a maximum learning time, and so so we just have to be careful when we are dealing with those children and listen god grades us on how we deal with children jesus said take heed to how you treat these little ones i'm watching you i'm watching that Uh -uh. listen if they don't repent There's a special section in hell for pedophile preachers. Yep, I said it. You can say what you want to. Praise God, you don't got one of them. Thank you, Jesus, just so we clear. Okay, I'm just saying, like, you you, you get on the wrong side of Jesus with some children. You better plead that blood of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, you out there, and you don't repent and die. You can call it a figment of your imagination if you want to. Mm, I'm just saying, because Jesus told us this, this in the word. This is not just me, me saying stuff from my, that's not my opinion. You follow what I'm saying? That's the word of God. He takes children seriously. The disciples were just shooing kids away. And the Bible says Jesus was sorely displeased with them. And he stopped his whole ministry and rebuked them. Not the kids for disturbing his service. Okay, so we just want to make sure, <laughs> Pastor David, why are you spending time on this? Because sometimes we flippant with, with kids, When we we don't realize our soul could be in jeopardy. We could be getting crosswise with God, right? And and (laughs) your arm's too short to box with God. See, one of the reasons why I treat you well is because I understand that God grazed me on how I treat you as your pastor. Like the people did Moses wrong, but Moses got loud and fussed at him one day out of turn. I'm just saying, go back and read your Bible. Don't take my word on it. And then his destiny got cut short just one time. You understand what I'm saying? Now, all of the times they jacked up now. Listen, they got their own punishment. I, I know they died in the wilderness. But listen, he had done enough of dealing with them, but I feel like he should have been grandfathered into the promised land, if you ask me. I'm not God. I'm just saying. He, they ought to they oughta just let him in just for, just for he ought to got a show-up trophy. Not because he won, but just because he kept showing up. I'm just saying. And God said, no. So I read scriptures like that, and as a pastor, that makes me not want to have bad days when I'm dealing with y'all. I'm just saying. Okay? And so I want you to understand that when you're dealing with children, you need to be that, that same watchful. Even if they're your kids, your nieces and nephews, your grandkids, or when we go out, and this is what the Lord told me too. Because we're going we're gonna to get our stuff together and we're going to go out and there's going to be kids whose parents haven't been brought up in this environment. And then you're going to, don't be running up, pushing that kid away from your grandkid. <laughs> and treating them like second class citizens. Nah, nah, I'm, I got to help you. This is what God told me to tell you. Like, we got two sets of standards. Like, there's the in kids, and they get a certain set of rules, and then the rest of these kids, because they, they the mission, so they get the second. And you think kids ain't smart enough to know that? You think that's a one-way mirror? Come on. The kid going to figure out they like him more than they like me. And I'm telling you, God is graded. Now, if that's not if that's not enough to scare hell out of you, it is enough for me. I'm just saying. Because God, when I understand God's grace, see that's the stuff I watch. And this is what He's telling me. He said, Okay, okay, you want to know, I'm gonna tell you. But then once I tell you, you're responsible. Does that make sense? Yeah, we we really won't. God to do something, then we're going to have to do what it takes to get ready, y'all. That can't can't just be. (laughs) Some people don't want to be married. They just like the idea of marriage. (laughs) They don't like the reality of what it takes. They like the idea. (laughs) Well, some people don't really want the church to grow. They like the idea of growth. (laughs) They like the idea. They don't like the gritty reality of what it takes. All right, so we want to understand. We're going to get in here, man. We're going to do something. We're going to deal with the gritty reality of what it takes to do it, not just the idea of it. Does that make sense? Because we're asking God to move on our young people. God holds us accountable to provide for our young children, to guide them, to direct them, and correct them. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this passage of scripture is both quoted and it can be misunderstood. We often don't take the time to understand what God's calling is for our children. We train them up in the thing we think they should do, and we should call it training them up in the Lord. Right? We train them up not in the way they should go, but in the way we want them to go. So we got adults who don't know what they are because they're living out their parents' dream. Or they feel guilty. I had an uncle, God bless his heart. When I was a kid, he he talked about me like a dog because I couldn't play basketball. But that was his dream. It was never my dream to play basketball because I was tall. He thought I should play basketball because when he was a kid in Mississippi, he was such a star basketball player. He didn't do nothing with it. Don't try to live out your dream. But he made me feel some kind. Of, I was self-conscious. He was trying to make me feel some kind of way because I wasn't living out his dream. You what I'm saying? <laughs> Later on, he's like, listen, whatever Dave got, can he help my kids? Well, you didn't, you didn't help me? <laughs> Not that I was against helping his kids. But I'm like, man, I wouldn't have got nothing if I had to let if I had a fully internalized how he made me feel about myself, right? So we have to be careful um, that we really take the time to understand God's calling on our children, and they're different, and you can't make one the other. Okay, My I had all of us playing piano, <laughs> and my sister was like, child, please, why don't y'all let that go? But for me, God was calling me in music. Hear the difference? Now, they had exposure, and exposure is good, but it, you don't get up in the morning <laughs> because your parents want you to have exposure and do that thing. You understand what I'm saying? So it's interesting that this word, I was just doing some study on it, that word train there is put them in a narrow place where you dedicate them to that thing. You restrict certain things from them and other things for them. But that's why you have to make sure you don't hurt God. If you get that wrong and you miss, they spend a whole lot of time doing the wrong thing and their whole world is jacked up. And then they get up and walk away from careers and stuff. So I had to be careful. I said, I said, my daughter <laughs> said to me, Dad, you just want me to go to mission because you went there. And I said, no. I said, no, no, I'm not that dude. The devil may be playing that tape in your head, but that's not me. I said, I've listened to you. Tell me what you want to do. If you can go someplace else and find it, tell me where that place is. She came back, Dad, you know what? Everything that I want to do, I can do it here. Well, go figure. Where'd you heard that before? (laughs) but I couldn't make her do it as much as I wanted it for her. I still had to let her come to the realization because I'm not going to be down there getting up in the day, you know, because some kids went home because they was trying to live their parents dream. And listen, it's too hard. That struggle you in is too tough for you to be doing it because your daddy wants you to do it. There's not enough daddy won't that'll get you up in the morning and put you to bed every night. Not enough. Not enough of it. Nope, it's not enough. So you got to really know God is calling you and telling you. My responsibility as a parent until you get of age to hear God is to hear him for you and to move you in certain directions based on what I heard, not just how I feel. Look at Romans chapter nine. We're going to read verses six to 12. right. How do we raise children of promise? We raise children of promise by hearing God promise us stuff about our children. If, If you're not hearing, if you're not talking to God and having him talk to you about your children, they late. And it's your fault. Can't be much straighter than that. But I got to tell you, that's the, re- that's the reality. You need to hear God. I don't know if I hear God. You, all right. See, that's why I had the bishop come tell you, if you really want to know, you will know. Okay? If you really want to know, you will know. But you're going to have to want to know. And you're going to have to put some time in knowing. That's why I'm telling you, because God grazes, we should take it seriously. All right, let's look at this um romans nine six but it is not that the Word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all the children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac, your seed shall be called. now why is that that one that's that statement in Isaac shall your seed be called? Why is that such why is that in quotations? Because that's saying God spoke that statement as it stated there to Abraham. God talked to the father about his seed. He also talked about Ishmael. I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation. He talked to God about the children and God talked to him about the children. Right? Verse 8 That is, those who are the children of the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as a seed. Your children are counted as a seed of promise when you talk to God and hear God talk to you and give you promises about your children. That's a really important point. God, what are you saying to me about my son and my daughter? What do you have to say about this? I'm asking you to do certain things. It's my job. That's part of this, you know, engaging and in increase to intercessory prayer. I'm interceding and praying for them, but then I'm gonna stop because, as Bishop taught us, prayer is not this one-way street. Me giving God my wish list and walking out. I need to hear God tell me things about their their destiny, so that I can partner with them in the process. Training them up in the way that they should go. All, look look at Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist. Zacharias could trace his lineage all the way back to Aaron, and Elizabeth could too. And here they are, praying for a son to be a priest, because that's what you have to have for your priesthood to continue. And then they finally get the son, and he spends no time in the temple. Because his ministry was not as a priest, even though that was all his family background. His ministry was as a prophet. So if they had spent time putting him in a little linen ephod like Samuel was, teaching him about incense and how to kill and how to take something, you know, kill the lamb and prepare it for Passover and sprinkle the blood. He would have not been prepared to say, repent because the kingdom of heaven has arrived. He'd been someplace, someplace else doing something different, and he would not have been ready. So they couldn't, even though they could go all the way back to Aaron, they couldn't spend their time training him to be another priest like they were. They had to be okay. Now, I bet you all of their priest friends, they cousins, because they was all in the same tribe, was like, because they was the one. They told him. They told him. They told him. Name him Zach Jr. They said, we're going to call him little Zach. <laughs> and then he said, nope. Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. You ain't got no Johns in your family. What you talking about? <laughs> do you see how we can miss God? Come on, y'all. I want y'all to get this. This is really important. Before you start a bunch of doing stuff, make sure you have heard, do a bunch of hearing stuff. Because if you don't hear right, everything you do is going to be wrong. They could have jacked him up, gave him a name he wasn't even supposed to have. They were already trying to school him to be a priest just like his daddy. He's going to be just like you. Preachers' kids hear this all the time. And then they run from God because of all of this community peer pressure. I had to explain to Ruby. I said, listen, there's stuff I'm doing for John because I understand some things about his calling that have nothing to do with you. And it's not because she's bad or he's good. It's just that their purposes are different. And I can't let her feel pressure because she can't do what he does. Then on the other other side, her stuff started to flip. It took a minute. Then I had to, hold up, brother. Pump your brakes. There was a time when you were shining. Pump your brakes now. Pump your brakes. Okay? Do you see how we can get people all out of kilter if we don't, if we're not straight in our heads what they is, and then we got them feeling some kind of way. And it had nothing to do with God. It's just us and our issues. We have to really, come on, y'all. We got to be careful. This stuff is serious. What if Abraham hadn't heard God promise? I read this scripture and I say it like this. Your child is not a child of promise until you can hear God from them. Until then, they're just a child of your flesh. God wants to raise up godly seed, but have you heard him talk to you about your son? Have you heard him talk to you about your daughter? You got to hear him. You got to hear him. What do I say? You got to hear him. Now, if you heard him and then they out doing something different, you hanging on to your promise. Because through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. All right. So just because you heard promise don't mean everything is lining up and they shall live happily ever after. That's not what I'm saying. But at least you got you got something to hang on to. You got something to hold on to because you have heard God. All right um verse eight that is those who are the children of the flesh these are not the children of god but the children of promise are counted as a seed god will count as seed those who he promises so i'm gonna start talking to god and i'm gonna listen and let god talk to me so he can give me some promises that i can hang on to so that faith can come and i can believe and then act in line with it verse nine for this is the word of promise at this time I, God, will come, and Sarah shall have a son. Again, in quotation marks, because this is a direct quote, where Abraham and Sarah heard God. Sarah laughed, but she heard him enough to laugh. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by a word from God, and Sarah judged him faithful who had promised. She stopped looking at Abraham and started looking to God. You need to hear God. Okay. Now, that's not a super deep lesson. Yes, it is if you really get it. If you don't have that, then you're just shooting in the dark. You're throwing stuff at the wall hoping something sticks. But you don't have yet a child of promise. Um, Verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac, For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, again in quotation marks, the older shall serve the younger. They had children of promise because they heard God speak about Grandparents, the one thing you really, 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 really want is to raise children that can hear God talk to them about your grandchildren. Yeah, now nah, I wish. You know, there's a lot of other stuff I wish and won't, but I'm gonna call it a day of success. <laughs> when I know that I have raised my daughter to the point where she can hear God talk about my grandson or daughter. Does that make sense? Because that's what this was telling. Abraham heard about Isaac, and then, excuse me, yeah, Abraham heard about Isaac. Abraham and Sarah heard about Isaac. Then Isaac and Rebekah heard about Jacob and Esau. They heard God, they heard God, they heard God, they heard God say, they heard God make promise. If we can get that right, a whole lot of stuff will get fixed. All right. Um, so to really, to really train them in the way that they should go, you have to hear God. Then you begin to speak out those things that you heard and begin to minister and move them in line with that and then correct them when they are not moving in the right direction not based on what their brother is doing cuz their brother might not have the same calling not based on what their sisters and don't <laughs> my sister was bad them teachers would tell her your brother used to do this and she, I am not my brother you ain't like your brother. No. <laughs> she made them recognize I am an individual. <laughs> she was not gonna let them peer pressure her because of her brother. You understand what I'm saying? But well, that stuff happens in church. Why ain't you like such and such and such? Let, let, the, let them come to their own thing. They got an individual destiny. All of Jesus disciples was around him. And then he told Peter, um, when you get to the end of your life, it's not going to go the way you want to. And so Peter said, what about John? Jesus said, what I got to do with you? (laughs) The King David version. Don't say it exactly those ways. But that was the essence of it. What I got for him, I got for him. What I'm telling you is what you got to do. You follow me. All right. So we want your destiny is as unique as your fingerprint. Do not, please. If we're going to have a, a, a ministry of destiny, then we can't expect everybody to be cookie cutter. Everybody do it exactly the same. Unity is not uniformity. You know and don't let your kids make you trip either you gave such and such a car you ain't ready if i gave you a car i spent more time at the jailhouse getting you out of trouble with your personality and don't let them put you in a trick bag like you just got to do it for them because you did it for they simply stop that heaven gonna be filled with people getting different rewards that's why I try to work as hard as I do, because I want to get more. Okay? I'm just saying, I'm spiritually greedy. So I, 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 I try to figure out any things in the Bible. Not, I'm not making it up on my own. I try to figure out the things that give me special Barney points in heaven. All right? I'm saved by grace, but I'm going to still be judged by my works. You will too. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 20 and 21. When you hear God, then you got to speak out. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. They spoke faith over their child based on the thing that they had heard. Now look at uh, verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. Joseph wanted, now this was a grandfather's blessing because the grandfather was the bearer of the blessing. And so he brought his oldest son to his to, to granddad's right hand and his youngest son to granddad's left hand. But then granddad crisscrossed and put the right hand on the younger son and the left hand on the older son. Jacob got him. Joseph. The Bible said he was very displeased with that. Dad, what you doing? Don't get my, don't don't leave my oldest son out. Put your right hand on. He says, "Yes, son, I hear you." God's telling me, the younger one's gonna have the bigger blessing. See, people think, listen, you got to hear God. And do what God is telling you. It's a faith thing. Some things I wish I could fix. And I can't. <laughs> I know. He says, he said, son, I know. God's going to bless your oldest son. He's going to bless him. But the Lord has told me. And we can't make it up. One of the reasons why we don't have real spiritual power happening is because we want to treat everybody the same. And then when people want stuff, we just want, we act like we got stuff to hand out. You don't. You know, if you got it to hand out, then you. Do the Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. Everybody gets a car. If you got it to hand out, then you do it. But if it's God, then you got to hear him and move in how He saying. And he is not concerned that everybody don't feel like they're getting the same. That he, he's not concerned. Oh, that's your favorite. <laughs> now, you may move mama, but you're not going to move the master with that statement. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, see... See, people try to pull out your emotions and, t- and say stuff like that, try to get you to move. But God could care less. He is not moved by that. He's just, you know what? <laughs> Heaven is just sitting there like, nope. Not what you know. And you can throw your little temper tantrum. Man, Heaven is still sitting there like, nope. <laughs> okay, so we have to be. We have to be sensitive to how God is moving in their life. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, Pastor David teach me to balance on that. Yes, I will. Rebecca heard God and then because she heard God, she began to play favorites amongst her siblings. Favorites is not the same thing as saying, this person has a specific destiny and I'm concerned about their destiny as I am yours. Favorite says, I like this destiny better than I like that one. So I like this child better than I like that one. Okay. So we have to be careful. Like one of my things is. Like I knew for what. For what some young people want to do, college is not the answer for them. Let me say this. The Bible does not say thou shall go to college and then thou shall have good success. Everybody is not college material. And don't have them saddled with a bunch of debt and no degree trying to figure that out. Does that make sense? So we we put trick bags on kids. And then they spending lots of money and don't even know what they want to be when they grow up. And they spend your money dry, and then they spend debt, which means they they spending future money that they don't have for something they don't even know what they want to do. Because you made them go to college. Why, thank you. So they come out, no degree, but a bunch of debt. And if they got that, you know, if they got that U.S. loan money, Uncle Sam know how to get his money. He ain't, uh, listen, that's why he signed it over so quickly to you. Because he got ways to get his loop from you. As <laughs> soon as you show up, you pop up with that Social Security number. Ching, I'm coming to get my change. There I am. I'm coming to get my money. Hunt you down. Put family members as reference. Hey, your niece so-and-so. You put, they put you down. I just want you to know we're trying to get in touch with them. Okay? Your nephew. Yeah, your nephew. Yeah, I know. Hey, tell him we're trying to get in touch with them. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's all because they didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew up, and then you gave them bad counsel? You got to go to college. Stop that. Part of our Destiny Development Center will be for kids that have to have trades and stuff. Some, Some people are more entrepreneurial. It's a different life. You can be successful at it. It's a different kind of hustle, but we got to teach them because, listen, <laughs> not everybody can do what I do, and that's not an ego thing for me. I'm just saying the stuff I got to deal with, the game I got to play, man, I go in there, ever watch The Matrix and all of them bullets is in there? And he's doing this and he waving around bullets. Man, you got to, you got listen, you don't even know the hustle I gotta do to do what I do. Some kids that would have done with they save self done, cuss somebody out and probably swung on them if they had to do what I had to deal with. They would have called the cops and dragged them out of that place. I'm just saying. It's a real deal. This is not a game, okay? But I'm cut for this. They come for me. No, God told me to go here. Do you understand Hear the difference? I didn't say my parents told me. I said God told me. So when it get tough, I say, God, you sent me here. Are you telling me my time's up? Okay. So we have to really be sensitive and not leading our children in the wrong way because we want better for them. Joseph was a good man. He wasn't a bad dad. He just had a certain way that he wanted things to go, which was not what God wanted. Fortunately, he had a spiritual father that could tell him, okay, it's not quite what you think it is. You need somebody that can help you. Okay, he ain't quite ready as as what you think they are. He's not quite ready for prime time. Not today. Does that make sense? All right. Second um, Timothy three fourteen and fifteen, and it says, "But you must continue in the things which you have learned." and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, if he knew from, Timothy knew from a child the Holy Scriptures, he didn't do that on his own. He wasn't self-taught. We go back to chapter 1 of this same book, and it says the same unfeigned faith, the real McCoy faith, that was in your grandmother was in your mother, that same thing, I'm persuaded is in you. Why, because grandmama and mama was making sure that even in childhood, he knew scripture. Those two things aren't disconnected, those go together. So listen, take the time young parent to make sure that you break down spiritual truth at your child's level. They want to play church, play church with them, but give them real truth. I can remember breaking down truth to my daughter at her level. One day we was outside. God, and I said, "Listen, God took dirt and formed the body of man. So we took dirt and formed the body of man." And then I said he blew the breath of life, and I blew, blew into the thing, and dirt got in my mouth. <laughs> but I wanted her to get that lesson. Now nah, I am I'm telling you you got to do it. Now nah, I ain't telling you, you got to get dirt in your mouth. I'm just telling you what I did. I'm just, but I had to make it real to her the best that I understood. Because I wanted her to have real faith in the real word of God. So I spent time trying to make sure that I really taught the word to them. One day we was playing church, me, her, and John, and John was the preacher. He put on a bathrobe because he saw his apostle wearing robes every time she preached. So he said, she got a robe, I got a robe too. So he had a bathrobe. And uh, he started preaching. Of course, I'm playing with him. And then all of a sudden, he said something. I was like, man, that was really good there. Like, I started to hear God. I was like, wait, that's not just him talking now. Okay, now, I said, there was some ointment right there. (laughs) I I felt an anointing on that. I was like, that was a real revelation. But it was in that zone that God began to move on him. You, You understand what I'm saying? So we have to take that time it takes to spend the time walking and working them through the, the place where they can really get truth from the word of God at their level. One more scripture, and then we're done for tonight. Proverbs 13 and, and 24. I'm, I'm reading this one out of the King James, because there's a word there that I want to really talk to you about. It's an old King James word. We don't use it today, but it's an important, it's an important concept that um, I studied, and then I began to see it over and over again. He that spareth his rod, hateth his son. Okay, so correction. Avoiding correction, the Bible calls hate. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him, this last word, betimes. I don't even know what betimes mean, Pastor David. Betimes. Is that be times tables, or what is that? What is he talking about? Well, there. this word is often used in the Old Testament, and inside of it is three different thoughts. It's chastening them early, often, and then giving them new starts when they got it wrong. All three of those thoughts is in it doing it early, fixing problems early, right? Fixing them often, and then giving them a clean slate to start over. Boy, the last time I did this and I did this, and then you bring up everything that they ever done. You ain't giving them no fresh start. (laughs) Woo, Pastor David, that's some good preaching. Yeah, because... We, but we have long memories and we bring up all. Now, we don't want Jesus to do that. We all get excited about him having a sea of forgetfulness. Hallelujah. But some of us go fishing on our kids. I'm just saying and we bring up everything. We got them big, long fishing poles. We go digging deep. We don't give them clean slates. Okay. So we have to be careful because inside that, it says, do it early. Now, why do you want to do it early? Because it's easier to crush an acorn than it is to cut down an oak tree. If I let this thing, this this character trait take root and then grow up, it's going to be difficult for me to get it out of them. So do it early, do it often, and then give them a clean slate. All of those things. When Jesus, the scriptures in the Old Testament said before judgment came to the children of Israel, they would rise up early. Sometimes it says he would send the prophets rising early. That's always said we did early often and would give them a new slate. He'd always say, hey, if you start over today, we don't have to go on to judgment. Let them get a do over. Don't you like the fact that Jesus don't bring up all your old old dirty laundry? Why can't we do that then? That's enough revelation for one day. Isn't that good, though? Amen. Amen. For those of you watching online, I pray that this was a blessing to you. I mean, we want to do this right. This is so, so important. Because our young people are so, so important, they're important to God. If we don't get this right, then the next generation of the church will start at a deficit instead of building on our foundation and going further and faster in the things of God. So we have to get this right. Now, some of us, I know we can see, hear stuff like this, and then we could, the Lord can show us things, man, I wish I had a, I wish I had a, now listen, don't spend time in condemnation. That's the devil. Conviction, plead the blood. Move keep it moving and move on, but let's make sure that as a body of believers, even people, what you didn't get right with your children, then hey, grandchildren's is a do over time. I'm just saying, you get some time. Hey, listen, I didn't get this right. I'm asking you to do better at this than I was with you. And so I just want you to be challenged in allowing God to minister through you, even to your children or to your community. Because one of the reasons why we believe that our way of growing is having a discipling culture. So some people will come and confide in you. I want you to know this so that you can put it in your own language and help the community by helping them to understand the things that God is teaching you. All right. So we have some information on the screen that we want to share with you about things that's coming up. Well, first of all, if you want to sow into the into our ministry, there's information available to you on how you can give into our into the, the, the Ministry of Destiny by texting NGHC to 54244, and then there'll be information for you to do that. Please like, share, and spread the word of what we're doing here. Please, uh, I know we're having some challenges on Facebook, so if you go out to YouTube, you can get the whole message and you'll find things there. If there was some difficulty you had in seeing the message today on our Facebook. All right. And then please tune in with us on Sunday and then on next Tuesday. And we'll be telling you shortly about some events that we have coming up here shortly. Uh, We'll be doing a Destiny uh, Forward event at the end of this month. So you'll get some more information on that um, in the weeks um, in our next couple sessions here. So, please, please, you're certainly welcome to join us here on Sunday um, and then also on next Tuesday as well. All right? God bless you and see you next time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. So, I'm uh, certainly praying that you were blessed by word for those remember we will be having Men of Destiny prayer.